Hey everybody, welcome back to another week's episode of Everyday People. I am joined as always by Jeff and uh, we also have a special guest. Um, so first, Jeff, how you doing? Doing pretty well. Been trying to find the silver lining in everything and uh, trying to spend more time running, reading, things like that. Um, obviously, it's been really crazy and scary, everything that's going on. But I'm um, trying my best to, uh, you know, find, find new hobbies and, and uh, just try to stay, stay positive. Nice, man. And we have a special guest, Claudel. Claudel, freshman is making his second appearance. He's actually our most recurring guest right now. Uh, making his <laughs> second appearance after the first episode. Uh, this was spawned by, well, we'll get into it in a little bit. But Claudel, uh, what's hey. going on, man? How are you? I'm doing good. I, I'm glad to be back on the podcast. Um, it's a very different time. It's a historical time. And I think that it's a good uh, opportunity to really discuss things and really delve into some of the issues uh, that we might be able to look back on in a, a couple of months or maybe a couple of years and, and just think like, wow, uh, that was that was quite a time. So happy to be here and I'm ready to, to talk. Yeah, dude, I, I guess we'll kick it off first because, like, how could you not talk about just the everyday life changes of coronavirus? Like, I was thinking today how I, I think, I, like, even a couple months ago, I was always thinking, like, I remember in World War II when they had to ration off certain items and how there were, like, a lot of restrictions on daily life and how we just, there's no way we'd ever let that fly and there'd be, like, riots in the streets and almost overnight like everything's been changed um and it's not like we have rationing of items but everything's fucking closed you can't go out to a lot of different places you have to stay away from people you have to wear a mask you, there, i mean it's just overnight there's just everything everything changed and we're just walking around with masks and if i saw this photo of like St. Petersburg, Russia, with everyone wearing masks, I'd be like, oh my God, what a miserable place. I couldn't imagine living there. And this is us now. I think what's, what's funny, yeah. well, not that there's really much that's funny about it, but you know, so it's interesting to me, these like kind of random companies that are kind of like thriving right now. Like, so obviously, you know, anybody who makes hand sanitizer, or paper towels or, you know, toilet paper, um, but even like some random other things. I, I, I went online to see if I could order myself a, a set of dumbbells because I've been working out at home and I had got myself some stuff uh, to do some home workouts and I wanted some more dumbbells. And it's, it's impossible to buy gym equipment, you know, just because people are staying at home and they're all kind of thinking the same thing. So it's yeah, like this mm -hmm. kind of these like, you know, they, as much as we talk about not, you know, the economy is, is taking a hit and obviously it is, but there's kind of like these random, you know, like Zoom, I think their stock has been skyrocketing. It's kind of uh, interesting to see how there's been some of these, um, you know, kind of these random companies that are, uh, you know, that are really thriving during all this. But yes, for everybody else, it's been, it, it did feel like it, it happened um, pretty suddenly. And I, and I think there was a lot of different, you know, it's weird. I was, I was actually talking about this last night. It, it felt like the, the information on this was really scattered at different times. Like, I, I don't remember feeling back in January or February that I was particularly worried that this was going to come to the United States. But then there were people that, you know, say that, of course, that was going to happen. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know, it's just weird. I feel like there's so many different people who have believed and said so many different things, that people are handling it differently. You know, there's some people who are still not really thinking that this is that big a deal. And there's others who obviously feel quite differently. And uh, it's very different than something like 9-11, for example, where like everybody in New York City understood what it was and everybody felt the same way about it. This mm -hmm. is an interesting time because there's so many different people who have been saying different things at different times, um, some of which have been corroborated and others that have been incorrect. And so it's been hard for people to really wrap their head around um, how to feel about this. And, and, and that, that even comes back to the actual virus itself in that, it, you know, for most people, they're asymptomatic. They don't even realize they ever had it or they, they, uh, they had some mild symptoms. And then for others, even young people, you know, I was reading about somebody like my age yesterday, who has a 50, 50 shot to live and is on a ventilator. That's pretty scary. So it's, uh, 
it's strange because it just, it, even the virus itself has different effects on people. Um, it's not a uniform uh, feeling or, or uh, outcome uh, for anyone. So it's, uh, it's, it's a difficult time because people don't really feel like they have control or, or an understanding of, of what's going on. Well, it's gone in like the opposite. It, it's gone the opposite way of, of most huge issues in the United States, which is like the first reaction is huge freak out. And then like slowly as we learn more, we like freak out a little less and a little less because uh, it's not as serious as we like maybe originally envisioned. And this is, yeah, dude, like you were saying, it's the exact opposite. <laughs> like every day they're basically like rolling out like, hey, uh, you actually need to wear a face mask because this can travel like 20 feet. Right. Um, and uh yeah and also uh beginning it was like yeah if you're if you're elderly with asthma you're gonna be in a lot of trouble if you're younger like you're okay and yeah like all of a sudden it's yeah this is affecting people of of younger ages too that's that's true yeah. it, it, it is like the reverse uh where you know people didn't really worry about it that much at the beginning and now they're kind of freaking out and Dave, this is probably the one time that the cancel people, if they had wanted to just cancel coronavirus, they would have been right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, I, I think that, I, first of all, I, I, I think that the United States, uh, particularly in January, there was not necessarily a sense of alarm because uh, for one, uh, where the virus was was brewing over in China, there was uh, very conflicting reports about what was happening, and it was unclear of what the threat to the global uh, situation was. And there were people from the World Health Organization that were saying that there was uh, no chance, uh, very low chance of uh, human human to human transmission, and that was stated. Uh, at some point in mid-January. So the, the global um, uh, community was informed that this was localized in Wuhan and it was something that the Chinese were dealing with and it would not spread around the world. So that was the, the status quo basically uh, in January. And uh, secondly, when you think about uh, virus. Hold on, I, I got to interrupt you real quick because because who came out and announced in uh, in January twenty first? Who says the virus is risk? The risk is globally high. Well, just a few days before that, they said there was no chance of human to human transmission. But World Health Organ. But World Health Organization reported cases in China, Thailand, Japan, and, and South Korea. I, so it just, but that's still in January, but keep on going. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, there was a lot of uh, inconsistencies because um, on January 17th, the WHO said that they didn't recommend people being quarantined. And just around late January, early February, the uh, the the head of, of who um, what's his name, uh, Dr. Tedros, I, I believe, uh, he said that he wouldn't recommend flight being um, cut off from certain places. So I, I mean, they were sending a lot of mixed messages in January, uh, and telling people that it wasn't like that they shouldn't cut off flights from China, that it, it wasn't as bad as, as, as people were saying. It, it just, they just started changing the narrative in February, literally in January. Oh, and J but January 22nd, Jan January, yeah. sorry, January 21st, the first case was announced in Washington state. Yeah. And who says the virus risk globally is high? They, they said that on January 21st because January on 20th. January 23rd, they said that there's no, there's no evidence of human to human transmission outside of China. That that's just, I, I don't know where you're, I'm struggling to understand where you're getting that from. There's literally a timeline. You can find it online. There's literally I, a timeline of, of every statement that the who made. But I'm looking at whose website right now. And like, I'm, 
So from a report on January 24th. Uh-huh. And what did they January say? January 22nd. Uh-huh. And what, what did the report say? They're confirming cases from different state, different countries around the world and how it's growing. Human. Okay. Human. So I'm just, okay. I, where are you getting that? Cause that seems to conflict with what you're saying. So where are you getting that information? Uh, there's a, there's a chart on, uh, online. From, from what source though? Uh, let's see. Hold on. Uh, let me see. I got it from the uh, from the National Review. Okay. So, all right. Well, I don't know where. But but, but you, you do but you do agree you do agree that there was there was at least one moment in January where the WHO said that there was no human human transmission because China said that on the, they, they, China did a study and they shared it with the WHO. And they said that the virus is very unlikely to be transferred between humans. You do agree with that, right? Uh, yeah, I, I don't necessarily remember like. It was in January. Well, I think, I think, I think that it, it, look, I mean, I think that it, I think it's pretty obvious that there's been a lot of confusion. I mean, if, if it were, if it were obvious back in January, uh, January gonna, 14th, right. I mean, if it, was, if, it was, if it was obvious back in January that like what, what we're doing now is going to be happening, we would have prepared for it. You know what I mean? I mean, there was even living in New York do, do city. You see, was, do you see, do you see, um, do you guys have a, a chat of like, can I send a message? Yeah, right? you can. Cause okay. I, yeah, it, look, like I, I, I totally like, if Look. you want to say that like this was handled poorly and like there was conflicting it's information, right like totally agree with you. Well, I think I think I think uh, responsibility can be shared across a lot of a lot of different people. You know what do I mean? So, the, do you so, see the link that I just sent? Yes. Okay, uh, click on the link and you'll see it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, there's been a lot of there's been a lot of kind of changing narrative uh, narratives about this. Um, even, even most recently, the, the change in tone about wearing a mask um, is a good example of that. You know, Trump's now recommending that everybody should wear a mask when they go outside. Now it's a departure from, you know, prior comments about the severity of what's going on. Um, but there is truth too to what you're saying, Claudel, which is that there's, you know, there, there's been a changing narrative on this. If it were back in January, if it were obvious that what we're doing now was going to be happening, we would have prepared societally uh, for, for what we're doing. And, you know, even when I was back in, in New York City before I left, there was a lot on a day-to-day -day basis, a lot of confusion about what was going on and de Blasio, whether or not he was going to shut down schools, which in retrospect seems like such an obvious thing for him. Like today, we would laugh about like, oh, should we shut down the schools? Like, of course we should. But like, not long ago, like a few weeks ago, that was actually a decision that he was, you know, and I, I don't like him very much. I think he took way too long to make that decision. But it was kind of a gradual close of things in New York. You know, first, like, you know, there were certain places that they started restricting the number of people that could be in a restaurant. And then uh, gyms had to shut down, but then, you know, restaurants could shut down, but they could do takeout. And then like the schools started shutting down. So, you know, it wasn't just like somebody flipped a switch. Um, it's not like there was just like this concrete, you know, knowledge of what to do. So I do think that there's been a lot of confusion about how to handle this. And I think that stems from two places. You know, first it stemmed originally from China, which is, uh, you know, quite frankly, a scumbag leadership and we should reconsider and reassess our relationship with China when this is all over, as should the rest of the, the planet, um, for all of their misinformation, uh, doing anything they can not to look bad and killing their own people. 
Um, this is on top of, you know, other dozens of human rights violations that China's committed over years and years as a, as a, you know, as a regime. Um, and somehow they escape criticism from our media, which is incredibly frustrating. I, I don't, but, I disagree that they escape, but they escape criticism. Let me finish, let me finish though. Yeah. Um, the, yeah. the, you know, but, you know, there's, there's world, you know, there's them, there's World Health Organization, which has, has not, has not been clear, as we can see. I mean, you know, they've changed their story and they've essentially helped China get away with all this stuff. And who is working with China, Jeff? Well, yeah. And in my opinion, though, I think that, you know, Trump has been bad as well. You know, and I think between the three of them, it, it is, it has led to bad circumstances for us in the United States. And the reason I believe Trump has not been effective um, is for a few reasons. First and foremost, I mean, he wasn't really taking this seriously. Uh, he wait, and, 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 and as we've seen with this, every single second matters in terms of how you respond to this and the reluctance to acknowledge this as a threat, um, or at least as, a ser as serious a threat as it needed to be taken early on, that's going to come back and really hurt us. Um, he has he has he has had rhetoric that downplayed this that is going to end up hurting us. You, you know whether or not he ended up coming around, which I think he has, and he started to do a little bit of a better job. Um, he you know he I think really blew it early on, and even today or like you know not today but just recently making some of these comments like you know, sometimes I think Trump can be funny, but when in a global pandemic, you know, things aren't that funny anymore. And when, you know, you're talking about models, uh, he was talking about like a statistical model and he makes a joke about other models that he like dated and stuff like that. Like this isn't the time for this type of insensitive stuff. Um, I, I think Trump, you know, sometimes I, I defend Trump saying like, you know what, he's just insensitive or he's just kind of an asshole. He's not necessarily like a racist or like some of these other things. Um, this is like an exception. I think that being insensitive now and like joking around about this stuff, this isn't the time. And um, it just continues to put this idea in people's heads that, you know, it's kind of a joke. So, you know, my, Dave, sorry, I didn't mean to, you know, I, I know you, you wanna, you know, come back about the, the Chinese uh, media comment that I made, but, you know, I wanted to just make sure that it was clear uh, that I'm not, you know, I'm not uh, assigning blame to a single uh, entity here. And I, I wanted to make sure that you know that I'm looking at this from the perspective of how these three different parties are contributing to the problem here. I, yeah, and thanks for finishing off because like, I'm sorry I interrupted your thought process because right. that was complete. Yeah, I, I just try, like, uh, yeah, I mean, like to, to look at this and not assign a huge amount of blame to China would just be, ignoring obvious facts like you know the, even the first doctor that detected it was uh, silenced uh you know they kept I mean, they pretty much killed him right yeah yeah and this was this was covered up like the, and we still don't know the extent of deaths in china like it's coming at like i think it, i saw one report said that there were two thousand uh confirmed deaths but estimates have it around as high as forty thousand. so you know they haven't been forthcoming about this but to also ignore the the U.S.'s incredibly slow and not just out of like ignorance slow uh, or lack of knowledge slow, but out of slow by design would also be ignoring a huge, huge problem. I agree. What do you mean by, what do you mean by slow by design? There was when information was very clear that this was incredibly serious. Um, I mean, you can look back at when was that? Sorry, when was that clear? Uh, it was clear when we got our first cases, and the World Health Organization said the global risk is incredibly high. Uh, Schumer even called for a uh, feds, to de feds to declare coronavirus outbreak as early as January 26th to help prepare for it. You had the CDC going to Trump, uh, saying that we need to be making testing available um, as early as January. And Trump was still going out comparing it to the flu and still going out saying that our cases were gonna be down to zero 
soon. So in February 25th, I mean, he told us that we have 15 cases and in a couple of days he's going to be down to zero and you don't need to worry. That type of rhetoric, when this is something that in order to stop the spread of this, one does need to be worried. One does need to worry. One needs to be vigilant. Uh, I mean, the first case came to America in, in January 20th and it, from there, it just ballooned. And I, I mean, do you, so this is like where I, cause so for a little like context, like Claudel and I got into a little spat on Twitter or not on, on Facebook. Cause I, I was going to say, I, I, if you guys are arguing on Twitter, I need to know your Twitter handle so I can follow no, no, no one will be seen. I, I'm like, I'm a troll on Twitter. So are you just, are you like a Twitter egg that just follows people? Yeah, or like I'll comment sometimes. I'll comment sometimes. Yeah. Are just, you like are, are you like my friend Schneider Mike who just who just responds to Trump's tweets angrily? Uh, <laughs> yes, yes, only but for Mike Huckabee I do that. Uh, okay, that's what I do. So if I go to if I go to Mike Huckabee's mentions, I'll see I'll see Dave Dave your grouse shaking his fist basically. I've been on Twitter for six years. I have like no like tweets except for just like. Just hating Mike Huckabee. I, I just, think Mike just responding to all of his so tweets. And, and I, think he's one of the wor- I think he's one of the worst people that like ever came out of the womb. I think he's just a horrible human being. Oh my God. But I, I think Mike Huckabee is disgusting. But anyway, um, so Claudel, like I, I want to hear, because I really want to understand, because I, I think like from our talk, like you're a smart guy. And okay. I'm just wondering how, and it's like, I, and I just want to understand I, and I'm not saying this like passive aggressively, like I genuinely want to understand how you can look at this situation and, and see Trump as handling this overall in a good way. Um, okay. So first, no, no one knew. Okay. So just off of intuition, um, people are, it's very difficult for people to understand exponential growth. So th- that, that's one of the things that's, that makes diseases very tricky because, or when a disease sort of spreads very quickly in the population, it makes it very tricky how to respond to it because uh, exponential growth is not intuitive. So uh, if, if you have, let's say, um, for quite some time in the United States, we, we, we did, we're doing a lot of testing and we only knew of uh, 15 cases or so for a very long time. And then all of a sudden it it became a thousand and then 2000 and then 5,000. And, you know, that's very hard to, to predict because uh, exponential growth is not intuitive. And just to cut you off, like you had other countries that had been growing rapidly at that time and had been doing things that if we had, had been doing measures that, we're now adopting now. So there was already measures that you could implement in order to deal with this. And we knew that there was going to be exponential growth. The CDC had been coming to Trump, telling him about this potential issue. And he was, keep on going, sorry. But the CDC was actually, like the CDC, they actually know about exponential growth with diseases. That, I mean, there's a pandemic team that was looking at the rates at other countries growing. So it's not like this came out of a vacuum, but keep on going. Okay, so you said the CDC told Trump about, about this when? In January? I mean, they definitely told him about this in January, yeah. But I mean, on February 5th, the Department of Health asked Trump to buy $2 billion worth of protective gear and come, Trump cut the request by 75%. Well, All even, right. even um, not, to, not to like digress, but like I was, I was kind of shocked to about him saying stuff about, you know, at a certain point, we just need to revive the economy um, rather than, you know, keeping people inside and, and, you know, worrying about life or death. Because to me, like, you know, as much as this isn't a, a war in the traditional sense of us fighting another country, it is a war in the, the literal sense of the, the human life that will be lost. I think we've already eclipsed uh, I mean, I think we're projected to eclipse uh, loss of life from like every major world war that we've fought in or something like World War One and World War Two, um, not combined, but uh, it's pretty serious. So to even kind of make a con like if we were in a war, 
in another country and we started, if we said, well, you know, we should trade off some soldiers' lives to keep the economy running well, like people wouldn't take well to that. So, I, you know, that to me too is when he said that, you know, my mind immediately goes to my parents, my grandmother, you know, those, the people that are, you know, for myself, I'm not necessarily as concerned. In fact, I've kind of mentally resorted to the notion that there's probably a 50% chance that I am going to get sick, or maybe that I already did get sick and didn't know it. Um, so there's just some, you know, the thing with Trump is that it's, it's a lot of times the stuff that bothers me isn't necessarily always what he's doing. It's more like what he's saying. Sometimes the rhetoric just really has an effect that sometimes I, I'll admit, sometimes I find it funny because he might be trolling somebody who I happen to dislike. But in this case, it, it feels like it's not the right time to be. I don't know if he's trolling or what he's doing, but it just doesn't feel like it's the right time to be saying that type of stuff. Um, if he even means it, yeah, it's a scary idea that we would prioritize the economy before human life. Okay. So, all right. So first of all, um, I bring it back a little bit. So Trump cut off flights to, to China on January 31st. Why was he slammed for that? I, like, but my, so my job, like, I, I don't know. Like, I, I, it, because it was, it seemed, I don't know. I don't know why. Well, I, do, I didn't slam him over that. Well, yeah, no, you didn't. Do. Well, <laughs> you, I will say, though, I, I, well, I do agree with Claudel on this one specific point, which is that, all right, well, let me, let me say, so Claudel, I can see where you're going with this. So I, like, huh? so, so here's my thing with Trump. I, and Dave, you and I talked about this, too. I think Trump has overall not done a great job, but I don't think that everything Trump has done is bad. And I think that that's the difference between maybe my perspective and the perspective of Jim Acosta and like Chris Cuomo and anybody on that, in that crowd, which is that like Trump, Trump could get up and say, Hey, you know, you should all drink water today. It's good for you. It'll keep you hydrated. And like the Jim Acostas of the world would say, no, I'm drinking beer and you know, yeah, and, much. and, and so like when the, when the thing with banning the flights from China happened, I think for a lot of people, it reminded them of the Muslim ban and they Which wasn't said, a Muslim ban anyway, by the way. Right. Sure. But it, well, well, let's, let's not veer off. <laughs> <laughs> well, either way, it, it reminded was. them, it reminded them of other travel bans and people said, you're a racist, you know, like Trump was a racist for banning these flights from China. In retrospect, that was a smart decision. Like that was objectively a smart decision and all the, like the left-wing pundits who are calling him a racist are just the same people who, call, who think everything's racist. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Like do, doing things that are objectively a good idea, even in, like those people will never apologize to him either. They won't say, oh yeah, when I called you a racist back at the end of January, turns out I'm the racist because I, because I look at everything you know, in this one-dimensional way. And like you were just trying- Chuck to Schumer, Chuck Schumer didn't approve of, didn't approve of so, that. He didn't- like that, by the way. Right. So, so, so I guess where I'm going with this is, look, so it's pretty simple. Pladell, like there are, there are points about, there are things that Trump has done that I, I agree with you that are, that are, that, that were good and they were good decisions. But I'm, but I'm saying that I don't think that those good decisions outweigh the damage that he's done. You know, so. Yeah, I, I, we, we call it a public health emergency on the same day, January 31st. Right. But what does that mean? Like, what does that mean to anybody? You start mobilizing. So two things real quick. First is, and that was, by the way, that was before that was before the WHO even said that it was a pandemic. The WHO didn't want to call it a pandemic until February. Because because they have like an official definition for a pandemic. Like it yeah. wasn't out of. Anyway, so first of all, I I want to just like be also clear with what Jeff said too. Like uh-huh. I don't think everything that Trump ha- has Trump universally, everything he's done with this been horrible. No. And like, that's not what I'm arguing. I'm arguing that as a overall job, like Trump has done a really poor, bad job. Like, are there, a, like, could you point to like one think, thing where he's done okay? Like, but well, this think, is like an inept CEO getting fired and they're like, well, you know, he did close that one deal. Like, so well, you I think it's an objective truth, job. Dave. I mean, look at the, look at, look at this, look at the statistics. I mean, if, if we're projecting a quarter million of people to die and that's the the best case scenario i mean in theory like you if you you were to just say like how would i grade a good leader here i mean like there are other countries that are not 
doing a, like Germany is doing a lot better than we are, um, you know, and, and they don't seem to be having nearly the, the, the type of catastrophe that we have. And they're probably pretty similar to us in a lot of ways. Like when I think about if I'm going to grade a leader as good, bad, exceptional or whatever, you know, exceptional would probably be that they really, that, that this has just no impact, you know, like Israel, for example, shut, shut everything down, like well before even like parts of the United States thought to do anything. And Israel will probably end up being, well, we'll see, but they might end up being okay, um, you know, because of that. And some of these other leadership groups have, you know, really not suffered as much as, as we're going to suffer. So I think at the end of the day, for me, like we could argue all day about, you know, the different things that people have done at different times, but, you know, working in sales, I guess for me, it's always been like, what have you done for me lately? At the, at the end of the day, it, it comes down to the numbers. If we have a quarter million people die, I, I think objectively, that's not, you know, that's not good. Dude, no one was taking, hardly anyone in the United States was taking this seriously. But Cleo, it's just, that's, that's actually, that's, Nancy Pelosi in, in like in very late February, Nancy Pelosi was in Chinatown in San Fran and she told everyone to come visit Chinatown. Let's have some fun. Caudel, I, so this is, all right, I, I don't know what that's regarding. Um, no, I, I'm just saying the, the leadership in this country, like to lay it all on the feet of Donald Trump. That's we're not though, that's, we're not laying it all on Donald Trump. There's so many people around the country on the state and local level that not oh. everything is, is the federal government's job. The states and local governments, they have a responsibility to get ready for any kind of emergency uh, health situation. Do you think they've been doing that? Do you think the states and the local governments have been doing as much? Do you think that states and local governments have been doing a good job? Not all of them, but definitely not in New York. That's why they have so many shortages because um, Governor Cuomo, a few years ago, he did not take the opportunity to get more ventilators Claudia, when you have the chance. I sometimes feel like you, you, like, and I know I've mentioned this on the Facebook, I feel like there, you do have a certain double standard where you, you're very quick to criticize information. <sighs> Trump's the most powerful man in the United States, right? Sure, but he's just one guy. He's one guy who runs an entire branch of government. Yeah, he's, he's not a king. He's certainly not a king. He has limited power. As the areas, the areas in which you are criticizing Pelosi and Schumer, Trump did in spades more. So, like saying that Pelosi went to Chinatown and said it's open for business, Trump was doing that for like a month. And I don't even know the timeline. He, when he didn't that. tell anyone to, to go out of their way to do anything. He, he just but, said, listen. No, he said, he said gonna... it's the flu. He said it's the flu. Yeah, because that's what everyone, the entire. That's not what everyone was media. saying though, Claudel. You can look back at what the CDC was saying. U.S. media, everybody was saying that it was basically the flu. Everybody. That's because not, that's not true. Everyone. everyone. That's not true. Fox News, yeah, they were saying that. But I mean, CNN too. CNN, ABC, no, they, CBS, no, they, all of these. No, that just all right. I want. Let's just go back to like because that, I that's do. Not I, well, true. for what it's for what it's worth, I do think there's Dude, some middle. No one think, was saying. No one was saying that that this was going to be this level of a pandemic in the United States. No one was saying that. I, I, I was I, like, I, listen, this is this seems like it's going to be the flu. Whether or not anyone could, but whether or not anyone could predict the gravity of the situation, there were preventative measures that should have been done that weren't done. So I think, I think that there's truth. I think there's truth to both, both statements. I, 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 I do, I do think that like, I, I, I definitely recall that there were mixed messages for a long time about the severity. So for example, Dave, I do agree with you that absolutely there were a great number of people who were warning this is not just the flu. This is very serious. It needs to be taken seriously. There were also people out there that were saying, and Trump was one of these people. So I think you're, um, you're also right about this, but uh, saying that it is kind of just like the flu and in terms of the statistics and, and the number of people that it killed. Yeah, and, and, and it, it people, really did seem like that, honestly. So, well, not but, if you looked at other countries. Right, but- like what? Like where? 
Like it, this is it, insane to me. Really? Well, I, I, but I think that I don't, I think you guys are kind of arguing. I don't, I don't think either of you is, is really wrong. Like there, I think they're, 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 it, I think it, it's kind of like Monday morning quarterbacking for any of us to sit here and say that we knew back in like February, like what was like, this was very confusing for a lot of people. That being said, at the leadership level, like this is where I agree with you, Dave. Like at the leadership level, you have access to presumably more information than more the, information. The, the general population. Like you're communicating with other governments. You have expert counsel, you know, presumably people that are able to handle pandemics and, you know, coach you on what to do. And for me, it's like, well, clearly there are some other people who got the memo because they're not doing as poorly as we are. And we didn't, right? So that that's that's for me. For me, that's kind of why. Like, so I don't think you're. I don't think either of you are wrong. I don't think it was. I don't think it was clear uh, to defend. I guess Claudel here. Like, I don't think it was necessarily um, clear what was going on. But Dave, to your point, like, yeah, there were definitely a lot of people that were warning about this. It wasn't. It wasn't like this came out of nowhere, too. So I, I think that there's truth to both. Let's also well. All right. Let's also be specific about the some people who are warning about this. The CDC was warning about this. The Department of Health yeah. was warning about this. Okay. Hold on. Hold on. Other countries' leaders were warning about this. Who was warning about this? Oh, Claudel, we lost you. Yeah, we lost Claudel. Well, anyway, uh, Dave, keep keep going. I guess maybe maybe Claudel will dial back in. So. I, this is frustrating because like it is a little bit of and when Claudel comes back, I want to like just really get down to this because like it it is so objectively obvious that what he's done has been a poor job, and to say that no one could have predicted the gravity of the situation, mm-hmm. that's a little bit of a red herring because we could have predicted this was going to be a really bad situation. I agree. And, I mean, I, I think I think especially based on what was going on elsewhere. I am a little surprised that it kind of felt like it took us so long to, uh, you know, to really get our act together. And I remember, I mean, even in New York city, uh, Hoboken shut down well, like before New York city did and Hoboken only had one case at the time and New York city already had like well over a hundred New York city is, uh, is more obviously densely populated than Hoboken. It has, you know, like a, a lot more people, so, you know, that to me, again, it just kind of shows you the, you know, the, the, the different, you know, the, the different timelines that people were reacting on this. I mean, I think, I think there is truth, you know, to I, Claudel's point, I may, you know, makes sense. I mean, for example, you know, why did New York City take longer than Hoboken to shut down? That doesn't make sense. It feels to me like Hoboken was the, the you know, the, 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 the mayor there was probably a little more tactful than de Blasio. Oh, Hoboken, so, I can- the answer is that Hoboken is far easier to shut down than New York City. Well, sh- sure, but you know, there's still. I guess where I'm going with this is like, sure, like there are other government leaders at the state and local level, like a De Blasio, for example, who I think could have done a better job. Cuomo, I think, has done well. You know, just watching, uh, following him and how he's trying to treat the situation. But yeah, Dave. I mean, I subscribe to your opinion. Look, my take is I. I think I can see some truth in both sides and Claudel's trying to say, look, this is a team effort. There's a lot of people involved here. There's a lot of blame to assign Uh, China, the who Trump uh, and a a variety of local and state government officials. Okay, sure. I I can be on board with that, but I also see your point, Dave, which is, okay, this is our leader. This is the guy that we're hearing from every day. He's doing press conferences every day. The tone and the demeanor and what comes out of his mouth is immensely important. It's like a wartime president. This is how people are going to get through their day. They want to feel confident in their leader. And uh, I do agree with you that there is an extra level of weight that is assigned to the president. And because of that, you know, yeah, Trump deserves his criticism. But I think what's important to the, you know, Trump's defenders and, you know, probably. Claudel is that it's not just a, a single finger that's pointing. I think the, the folks that uh, maybe generally support Donald Trump probably find themselves getting defensive when people seem willing to, you know, uh, knock Donald Trump for his behavior, but not really think about, you know, all the other players. 
Um, not saying that that's your case, Dave, because you've been pretty clear early on, you know, and that you think that there's a, a lot of uh, blame to go around. But um, that's the way that I kind of see where the tension lies in these uh, these conversations. Yeah. So here's. Yeah. yeah. Can, Let I, me, can I just say something real quick? Yeah, sure. All right. So basically, all right. So the idea is Trump should have been uh, more, I guess, alarmist, so to speak, and say, okay, that this is going to get really bad, really, like, like as early as February to say that it's going to get really bad. We're going to get thousands, hundreds of thousands of cases. Do you know what would have happened if he said that? If he had acted like that, he would have, he would have been slammed by the media. So hold on. I, we don't, I, I'm not going to answer a hypothetical because I have no idea. But uh, he would have been by the media for I, sure. I don't, I don't, I don't think so. But, exaggerating. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. So here's what he could have done. And this is like, okay. I know this. So he, what he did wasn't just not stating the truth about what was happening, about what he knew, but it was also actively putting out information that was harmful to the situation, comparing it to the flu when his advisors and the CDC and the World Health and the, uh, and the Health Department were very explicit saying it was not like the flu. So he was putting out information that was actually harmful to the situation. When he could have just said, we're actually looking a little bit more into it, um, but it is, you know, we're going to do our best to, to, to make sure that we're prepared for, uh, for what's to come. That, I mean, that's, that is what he, what he could have said. So there's, there's, a, there's a few different options. Like there's either like you, you are alarmist about it, you are then cautious about it, and then you're denial. And he, he did the denial piece. Did we lose Cardell? Oh, okay. I disagree with that one. What? It makes sense to me. One more time. Uh, am I still here? Yeah, yeah. you're. Yep. I, I would just I would just say that uh, yeah he, he he probably could have could have not said that it was it was like this flu because no nobody knew really what it was. Also, he said it would be down to zero cases. So, I mean, like you, you said, like, you, you don't want him to be an alarmist, but like, that's actively destructive to, to just lie and say that it's going to be down to zero cases based upon no information. Not just lying like that. that, that right, he, he wasn't lying. He, he was just yes, he was. Falsely, falsely predicting. Soft. Hodel, he's the president of the United States. Like what? Okay. I don't know what a soft prediction is. <laughs> Like that, that that is almost like Orwellian type language. Well, yeah, he was just trying to say that. Listen, it, it's not going to be that bad. That that's, that he wasn't trying to make people. But he didn't know that, Claudel. He didn't know that, and people were telling him. And if you look at other countries, it was going to be really bad. So he he wasn't trying to like ease our fears. He was just he like he, he wasn't trying to do that as a leader. He was just doing that as because he he didn't want any blame. He didn't want the stock market to be affected. Like, nope, those are destructive things to say. All right. I mean, I, I'm not going to say that it's 100% correct because I, I agree with you to to the extent that he could have uh, he could have been a little bit more um, um, even-handed about it and not try to skew it a certain way. So I, I'm not going to disagree 100% on that. I think we can we can come to an agreement with that. Like, he could have said things that were a little bit more – um palatable i guess and and more honest okay cool wow all right um but you know the only thing is is you know i i still feel that uh, we have to have more accountability just as far as everyone else all, all the players in, in the government that are involved in preparing the country for a disaster, you know, um, it, it doesn't just end at Trump, you know, it, it, it's an entire coordination and network of people that are dealing with the, the intel that's coming in that are understanding what's, what's really happening and, and how to address it. Because our, our country is, is obviously underprepared for uh, situations like this, because we just don't have um, 
the system in place to deal with a, a wide a wide spread uh, contagion. We just we just don't. It's only now that we're starting to mobilize it properly. Um, but but before this happened, we we just did not have all of that in place, and that's not because of Trump. Because Trump was, even though Trump was saying what he was saying, he was still act like the, the administration was still acting. It wasn't like the administration wasn't doing anything at all. There, there were things that were happening as far as making sure that the public health emergency was declared, uh, making sure that the, the FDA was starting to mobilize equipment, uh, you know, making sure that the, uh, the flights were restricted. Uh, there, there were things that were happening, even even though Trump was saying what he was saying, it, it wasn't as if the administration wasn't doing anything at all. Uh, action was happening. So but that's, uh, that the, leads that leads us that leads kind of to my next question, which is like, and I don't I like I, I hope you don't feel uncomfortable just like being on the spot with like me question because I, I really do want to understand like I just want to understand the thinking because um yep you know when you said like this stuff was still going on. That doesn't mean he was doing a good job. It just meant like he was doing something. So it doesn't mean he was doing well. It doesn't even mean he was doing an average I job. I mean, who, who can really do a good job in a pandemic? I don't know any leader anywhere that's doing a, a great, you can say he's doing a great job. It, it has to do well, with the system. Yeah, if you look at, I think South Korea, people would say like they did a really good job. Singapore. Because they have a good system, Dave. It was also that we, we, we could have done... One can look at a situation and say, like, oh, this, like, they did as much as they could with the resources that they had. And I don't think you can say that the United States. I sometimes, though, feel like the, the response to Trump, though, is, like, that for people who supported them, and I get it, like, supporting Trump's been a, was a, was a controversial decision. You probably have been getting criticized for it. Um, mm-hmm. You feel like he's constantly under fire. And so you don't necessarily... It doesn't seem like there's ever a justification that he's doing a good job. It's just a justification. It's just defending that the criticism against him is unwarranted and uh, too much. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I would say that that's that's sort of how I feel about it. Um, I, you know, I'm I'm not gonna say that he's been a champion. I, I don't. I, right now that's an absolute champ uh, because South Korea only has been able to do what South Korea has been able to do because um, a few years ago, they, they had to deal with a, with a epidemic in their country. Uh, somebody came in with uh, a SARS-like illness and it spread very quickly and they weren't necessarily fully prepared. But after that happened, I think this was in 2017 or 2015, after this happened, they made sure to um, install these, uh, these apps on phones that are able to trace people and log people that have uh, infectious, infectious diseases. And they were also able to make sure that their system of testing was uh, nationwide. So they, they had to learn a hard lesson a few years ago, yeah. which caused them to, to, to act differently this time. And we don't have that in the United States. One, because we have issues with privacy in the United States. People are reluctant to have these sort of tracking apps. And it's sort of a, like a, I guess, a fourth amendment or um, violation, maybe of, 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 you know, search and seizures and stuff like that. And people don't, um, we also have a lot of bureaucracy in the United States, which, which, which makes it very um, difficult to get uh, nationwide testing. That, that's why our testing has been behind the, the world until recently. Now, now we're, we're leading the world in testing. But just a few weeks ago, our testing was very hey, low. We're not leading the world in testing, though. Yeah, yeah we are. No, no, we're not. Per capita, we're not even close. Well, we have the most tests overall. Yeah. I, I think we have at least double the next, the next person on the list. Which I'm, I'm not sure if it's Italy or um, France or one of those countries. 
But yeah. we have we have very widespread testing now. It's it's uh, it's 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 only going to increase. Also. Yeah, but but to say we have the the highest testing isn't because you really like the way they measure that is on a per capita basis. Yeah, maybe uh, okay. So per capita, maybe not. But we have three hundred million people. We have a lot of people in the United States, and it's very hard to get that amount of testing out very quickly. In South Korea, how many people do they have? Like less than ten million, probably. No, South Korea is fifty-one million. Oh, 51? Oh, okay. Well, yeah. that's about one-sixth of our population, which yeah. is a big deal. I mean, that, you know, we Ooh. can get testing out of 50 million people, but 300 million people, I mean, that, that's going to be very tough to do. So, yeah. you know, we have to keep that in mind. The, 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 the size of the country is, 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 a, is, a, is a variable that we have to look at, too. It's a big factor. Um, and, but also, our policies are, we have to go through a lot of different steps to get things available. That's just how we are. We have so many rules and regulations in the United States. And ostensibly, those rules and regulations are to protect patients and to protect consumers. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, in an emergency situation, it, it makes it very difficult for everyone to be on the same page. Because you have to go through all these different um, loopholes and try to find some avenues to get around the red tape, which is not easy. The FDA had to loosen their regulations on masks so that more masks would be available and ventilators because there's literally uh, a whole process of approving the usage of these uh, devices. And that can take some time. And, you know, that, that's just how we are. So um, that, that's, that's the reason why I'm saying, sure, when Trump goes up there and says what he says, he says some things that are not good. Okay, but the I think it's kind of productive for for there to be a war going on between, um, you know, the left wing, the the right wing, um, different leaders saying that so and so is not doing a good job and so and so is not saying the right thing. It's not necessarily about saying the right thing. It's really about about what actions are being taken. Um, even if Trump is is saying okay, it's not necessarily as bad as it is or it's not terrible, or if he's not trying to um, say the worst about the disease, it's more about whether or not the country itself, it has a system in place to respond. I, I, is, in my opinion, that's a greater um, factor than whatever Trump is saying as just one guy. Yeah, I, I think I that- know. Why are you, like, as if we had a if we had South Korea's system here, yeah. Just hypothetically, if we had that system here, even if Trump was saying what he was saying, that it's not, it's not really the worst thing in the world, then it, it still wouldn't matter because we, we would be able to rapidly um, act no matter, no matter what he's saying. I, so I find, though, like that you're, that you're, when you describe Trump's actions, like you keep on minimizing his position. Like one guy trying to remove like the power and the influence that the president of the United States has. It, it's, yeah. it's it's he's 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 doing what he can as president. I mean, there's only so much that he, he can do. I mean, he's not like I said before, he's not some some king sovereign. He he's the president, and the president is a very high position, but it's also a very limited position. Congress has a lot of power too. Congress can do quite a bit. And the people in Congress and, and other leaders in, in the country have similar power as, as the president. Like you're treating the president like he's some sort of like monarch. He's not. I'm saying though that in these types of emergency situations, the, the executive branch has a huge amount of power. I mean, they, they, they control a lot of the emergency response and he just hasn't really done it all, all like well he has now i mean we've ramped up testing right we've yeah, ramped wait, up testing we've 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 started using the defense product uh defense production act which is basically um a, a, a dictatorial statute which allows the executive branch to demand companies to make 
different uh, items for use in a, in a pandemic we situation. We did on April 2nd. I think people were, I think it's fair to criticize him for not doing it far sooner. Well, he didn't want to because he wanted private business to do it. And, and we've had a lot of companies around the country that have been stepping up to the he, plate. Private businesses were going to him saying they didn't want him to declare that because it would be bad for their businesses. That's the reason he didn't do it. Okay, well, if, even so, we had a lot of businesses that were stepping up around the country that were producing masks, that were, that were producing ventilators, um, even without the Defense Production Act. He only, he, okay, so this thing is, he didn't want to use it too early because he didn't want to um, galvanize that much power. You know, it, it's funny because me. a lot of, didn't want, no, right, he, he, did, he didn't want to. He wanted the private sector to work first. I, I feel like we're talking Trump, about a different human being. <laughs> Trump wants the private sector to take the, the front seat until he has to step in. Okay. And that's just the way he is. He's never wanted to be a power grabber as far as the economic system. He always, he, he likes free markets. He wants the market to do what it does uh, until a situation comes where he has to step in. Everybody that was on the left wing was, was begging him to nationalize the system. Andrew Cuomo was begging him to nationalize it because that's what they like. They like people that are telling companies what to do step by step. That's what they like. And so they were telling Trump to, to just basically take that power, which is very ironic because those same people are the ones that were accusing him of, of being dictator-like. Just but in, but in an emergency situation, I would say that you, you uh, judge a person that one is a one is a different interpretation of government during an emergency situation than in just regular times. Yeah, but now they they don't care that if if Trump centralizes power for himself, all of a sudden it doesn't matter. The Constitution doesn't matter just because it's in an emergency situation. Because the, I mean, it's the like government certain resources. The federal government has certain powers and resources that can be implemented through that that a lot of states don't have. You know, like there's a federal yeah. stockpile of equipment. Yeah, we yeah we, we had a federal stockpile and that, that was being utilized, right? And we had a, a lot of companies like 3M. We had, G, I think, General Motors, General we, Electric were, were pitching in. We're, we're making ventilators. So it, it, wasn't, it wasn't immediately necessary for him to, to use the Defense Production Act. So you he only you, started acting, using it because some companies were, were not... Um, uh, sending the supplies to the United States. They were sending it to foreign countries. So when you say that he doesn't like taking large control of things, like that, does it bother you when he, you know, when, when he has governors who treat him in a certain way are given certain amount of supplies while others who criticize him are, are for not doing something are, 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 are kind of stonewalled? Additionally, like, do the, does his public criticisms of governors through his, like, Twitter account and through speeches, does that bother you, particularly when they're during a pandemic time? Well, they're, 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 they're going after him the same way. They're, I mean, they're not going after him the same way, though. They're saying, like, we need our resources, and then he's calling them a whiner and a complainer. Because he's setting the resources, and, and they're still he's upset. They're still Michigan, the you can look at Michigan, Claudel. Okay. Was, was Michigan sent their resources? When it, was, when it was originally asked, over and over again, was Michigan sent their resources? And when she said, like, the federal government needs to act and send us our resources, like, Trump went on Twitter and called her, like, uh, that woman in Michigan who's uh, a whiner and a complainer, and he gave her some nickname. Like, that's okay. the shit that, like, how do the... F I, I don't know how... It's very difficult for me to look at that and... And have someone say, "Yeah, he, that's that's an appropriate response for the president of the United States." Oh no, uh, is Jeff here? Jeff, I am. Yeah, I'm still here. Uh, are you? I'm not familiar with the Michigan situation. Are you? I vaguely remember hearing it. Um, it was a little while ago, right, Dave? It was like a week ago, but like now, the time that's like forever ago. Yeah. Again, I think that's just kind of you know. Did it get, did it get resolved? Did he send the materials over? I think eventually, yeah. Well, you know who the big hero is in all of this is the New England Patriots. 
right? Uh, yeah, I mean, they, yeah. like I said, people are stepping up. I mean, that's why I'm saying, you know, it, it wasn't immediately necessary to use the Defense Production Act. Now, that's a very powerful act. That, that is literally, you, you are at the executive dictating what every single company in the United States can do. I mean, it's, it's, not, a, it's, not, a, it's not a simple thing. And, you know, that, that can be very tough for, for some companies. Some companies might not have the resources to, 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 to follow the, 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 the mandates that are being handed down. And, you know, it's, it's preferable that people mobilize voluntarily than to have the federal government step in and force them to act. Uh, that that is a very dangerous um thing and again you know the the act was used it, it's supposed to be for war li literal literally for war this is not war i mean it people are treating it like war but it's not war i mean we're not going to get bombed by you know some foreign invader tomorrow it's not war um so you know, there needs to be some, some sort of uh, restraints because uh, I know that uh, people like Dr. Fauci are calling for a national lockdown, which would basically ask the, the president to, to just say by decree that everyone must stay in, in all 50 states and act like that's not a big deal. Like, like we don't have a constitution, like we don't have limited powers from the executive. Just because that it's it's a emergency situation, we just throw the constitution out of the window. It, that's not how we're supposed to run the country. We're not supposed to just act like okay, we just need to be totally all in on this and not think about hmm, what are the repercussions of of taking these sorts of of draconian actions. How, how, what kind of precedent does it set for the future? Like when we have some sort of virus going around next year, are we just gonna shut down everything like the way that we've done this year? But this isn't some kind of virus. Yeah, but at the same time, I mean, we still have to have a balanced viewpoint about how we, we, we behave on it. You know, not every single, single state is affected the same way. New York is a hot spot. Uh, California is a hot spot. We have hot spots, but we have some parts of the country that are not doing that badly. But for the federal government to just go on national lockdown, I mean, we're talking about 300 million people. We're talking about thousands and thousands of jobs that will just go out of business. We're talking about people that will be losing work. I mean, we already have 10 million people out of the workforce right now, filing for unemployment. If you shut down 50 states, that might double. 20 million people out of work. Um, and we, we're, you know, People are not looking at the other side of this situation because while we're focusing so much on how Trump is not doing the best job ever and how he's, he's kind of been a little bit shaky on it, which I admit he has, he hasn't done the most magnificent job, but at the same time, people are criticizing him because he's thinking about, listen, we have to look at the economic impact of this. We have to look at the social impact of this. This is not only a virus issue. This is a societal issue. This is a, life, a way of life issue. The same way that we want to preserve people's livelihoods and, and life um, from being taken by the, the coronavirus, we also have to look at how people are going to be living after this is over. When, when this is all over, do we want people to be basically homeless, out on the street, without a job, people who can't pay rent because they, they haven't been working for three months? People that have families that their 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 kids are not being able to be taken care of correctly because um, who, who knows what's going on. People are are there's going to be higher rates of a uh, of domestic violence. There's going to be higher rates of depression. There's going to be higher rates of suicide because people are not able to do what they want to do and not have the freedom to go where they want to go. They're locked in. There are a lot of issues that go alongside this situation. And to crash the economy, because the economy is not going to be able to rebound just after this. We're crashing the economy. People are thinking about the economy without thinking about the fact that the economy is made of people. And the economy is human life as well. People are saying, oh, you're prioritizing the economy over human life. Well, the economy is human life. Humans run the economy. Humans drive the economy. And if the economy is faltering and is reaching Great Depression levels or worse, then how do you expect 
people to react and live after this is over. People are going to be dying because they're not able to, to feed their family or themselves. People are going to be dying because they don't have the resources to uh, find an apartment or to, to, to pay off their mortgages. I mean, this, this is something that people are, are, are acting like this is inhumane to consider, which, which makes no sense to me. It's, this is totally part of the package. We can't just listen to Dr. Fauci, who's a scientist and has no other uh, incentive but to speak about science, because that's what he's oh. paid to do. I would say human health would be his incentive. Um, I also would say that people can't uh, buy things or work if they get coronavirus. Uh, and yeah, but not everyone's going to die from coronavirus, okay? It, it doesn't have a 99% a, a mortality rate. Some people are going to get it. Some people are going to be asymptomatic. Some people are going to get, you know, flu-like symptoms and they'll recover, okay? But there are going to be some deaths. I, that's that, I, that that's what comes with any virus that, that's yes what comes with but Claudel, like it, like certain measures you implement can have impacts of like a million people but anyway we we just gotta like, wrap up just like shutting down the, the the economy has can have impacts on millions of people you you can't just look at it the, just one way of thinking we just need to to mitigate only and prevent the spread only we have to also have other people that are considering other ways to get people back to work, to, to get people who've, who've started businesses, have, have worked 10 years to make a business, and then within a month, they're out of business. It's they, certainly, they it's certainly unfair. Zero. It's certainly unfair. Um, but I, 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 I think we do have to go. Um, I, know, uh, I know life's busy now. Um, Okay. Claudel, thank you so much for joining us. And I hope you didn't feel like you were uh, on the stand. No, I, I, didn't, I didn't feel like I was on the stand at all. Uh, I, I felt like there's still things that I, that I would like to, to say, but uh, maybe another time. <laughs> another time, man. We'll have you back on. Uh, yeah. uh, Jeff, enjoy brunch, man. Yeah, thanks. Good to talk to you guys. Have a good one, guys. All right. All right.